2 Timothy chapter number 2, if you will follow with us there in verse number 15, we'll begin reading. The Bible said, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Let us pray. Father, we thank You for this Lord's Day that You have given us, for the lessons taught this morning, for the Word preached, for our songs, our offerings that's been given, our fellowship together, Lord, our praying with and for each other. We thank you for that, and then the privilege to be gathered back this evening. I thank you for the songs that we've sung tonight, magnifying our Lord and His greatness. And Lord, thank you for your love and mercy that's just been sung about this evening, reminding us, Lord, of your great sacrifice that we might have eternal life and have hope. Lord, I pray this evening you'd be with our young people and children as they're being taught the Word of God. I ask you to help the teachers. Lord, as they hear the Word, as they sing, all that they do tonight, may, Lord, it be to Your glory, and may that truth be planted deep in their hearts. I pray You'd save them, Father, as only You can. I pray, Father, You'd help us tonight as we look to this verse of Scripture. I pray the same Spirit that wrote it, that laid it upon the heart of the Apostle Paul to write it to Timothy, that same Holy Spirit would open it to our understanding tonight. I pray You'd encourage us, You'd strengthen us in these days. Lord, there's assurance and there's hope and there is confidence in the words that we've read tonight. And I pray that we'd draw from that as believers in these days of much departing from the faith and much apostasy and much uh, slackness and unfaithfulness. Lord, I pray tonight You would help us and strengthen us, Lord, and reassure us tonight of who you are and what you have promised in your precious word. Now bless your servants tonight, wherever they may be standing. Use them. I pray for your glory. Bless our missionaries. You know what they're facing this evening. And then again for our homes and families that we mentioned this morning, some that have death in their families. We ask you to be with them and give them grace and comfort. We pray for our folks who are unable to be with us, Lord, that are at home tonight, in facilities or places, uh, Lord, where they cannot attend, I pray you would encourage them and help them on this Lord's Day evening. You have the power, Lord, to just pass by and strengthen them and help them, and I pray that you would for your glory. We love you. We thank you for your great salvation. Now, guide us in these next few moments. May the Word of God have free course, and may you be glorified, and we'll thank you for all you do. For it's in your precious name we pray and ask these things. Amen. 
At this point in Paul's second letter to Timothy, evidently the great apostle thought it was very important, to say the least, that he give a few words to Timothy so he would not be discouraged or lose focus. Paul has said some very encouraging things in this book already, but he has also shared some very troubling things, some things that would concern any true child of God, and especially a young preacher who is about to be left without the example of his mentor Paul and without words of encouragement from him directly. Paul is, as you know from this book, he is uh, facing imminent death and will soon be in the presence of the Lord, leaving Timothy behind to set in order things that are wanting, as will Titus, and also to keep the churches as best he can in doctrinal purity and with integrity. Paul has mentioned by name individuals. He mentioned them in the verses we read tonight in verse number 17. These are individuals that Timothy would have known personally, and he has mentioned others in situations that Timothy most likely put faces to, even though Paul may not have mentioned their name. I want to ask you tonight, if you were a young preacher, a young Christian, a young preacher, knowing that your spiritual hero, Paul, was soon to be departing from you, and that you were about to receive the weight of that ministry upon your own life, do you think you would need encouragement? Do you think you would need some reassuring or some re reminding about the central truths that keep us close to God. And if you had just read how false teaching would spread like gangrene, Paul had just said that up in verse number 17, that the words of Hymenaeus and Philetus, the false doctrine, they were saying, some were saying that the resurrection had, uh, was passed already. If you knew that that was going to spread like an infectious disease inside a human body, that was going to spread spiritually inside the church, I would ask you tonight if you think being reminded and being encouraged would be a helpful thing to you. Well, obviously it would. Paul felt that as well. And under inspiration of the Spirit of God, in verse number 19, he writes these words to the young preacher. He makes a connection in the word nevertheless, and also the conjunction here. He is con going to contrast what he has just said in the negative with what he's going to say in the positive. In spite of what he has told Timothy about the false teachers and the false teaching, in spite of what some are teaching concerning truth, in spite of the fact that they have erred from the faith, he wants Timothy to understand that the foundation of God is still in good shape, it stands sure, and then he will proceed to give him two statements that we're going to look at tonight. One statement is about how the sovereignty of God can give Timothy encouragement and stability, and then how the responsibility of man can also provide that same thing for him. He's going to tell him what God knows, and he's going to tell him what he needs to do as a believer. Now, Paul is going to contrast. That's what this word, nevertheless, he's going to set this in contrast to what he has said about the false teaching. Now, he uses some very beautiful words to remind Timothy that when everything around him seems to be shifting, it seems to be on sinking sand, he wants to remind him of the sure 
foundation. Christ, as we know and as we sing, is that solid rock upon which we stand. And Timothy, is he knows that, but he needs to be reminded of that. He needs to hear this truth desperately. And I want to encourage you tonight to hear this truth as well. There's so much error and confusion in Timothy's day. There's so much error and confusion in our day. And sometimes this error and confusion is camouflaged in certain methodologies and in certain styles of worship. And it's even camouflaged in what we have accepted as traditional prejudices that are far from being biblically based. And he wants Timothy to know that in spite of all of that stuff that makes you question and wonder, the foundation of God standeth sure. Notice with me tonight, the word nevertheless is translated with other conjunctions and some other English translations, but nevertheless is appropriate for this verse. It's, it expresses a strong contrast. This is happening in the life of Hymenius and Philetus. They are saying things that is not actually true, but in spite of that, nevertheless, in contrast to that, Paul said, I want you to be encouraged, Timothy, that the foundation of the Lord is sure. This word nevertheless means yet. It means though or although. Although this is happening and you're hearing of men depart from the faith and you are hearing error about the resurrection day that's coming and although you are bombarded with all of this false stuff and you're hearing about men that have forsaken Christ, that have apostatized, that have turned away from God, I want you to know that the foundation is still very secure. Paul's words are these to Timothy, regardless of the false teachers, regardless of the words they're teaching that do not profit, regardless of the lives they are living that leads others to ruin, and he mentions that in verse 18, that what they're teaching overthrew the faith of some. Regardless of that, in spite of all of that, he is saying that the faith and the true foundation is still in God's control. God's plans and God's purposes will not be hindered. If I could paraphrase this tonight, I don't really need to because I think you understand, but if I could, in spite of all the people who have decided, who once lived for Christ, who have now decided they no longer need Christ nor His church, in spite of all of the people who are trusting in their traditional religious upbringing in opposition to clear biblical truth, in spite of all of that, in spite of declining numbers, in spite of broken homes, in spite of all the things that we see that's happening involving the church tonight, in spite of all of that, hear the Word of God, the foundation of God standeth sure. It is still secure tonight. Some things are as secure and they always will be. God's in control. God's plans are not in jeopardy. God's purposes are not being thwarted by the world. A half a dozen Baptists can quit church, and that does not, that does not thwart the plans of God. I've often said if I decide to go away from God, God can easily save and call someone to carry on the great work. He's done that many, many times, and He will. So Paul wants Timothy to understand that. 
What he's talking about here is the discouraging reality of man's unfaithfulness to truth. We see that. Many of us, that's, that, that bothers us, that burdens us because of what we see in the family of God. And for many of us, it burdens us also in our own physical immediate families. We see our own blood kin, our own children or grandchildren, or in some cases, children see their, their moms and dads turn away from God. It's a discouraging reality. But now Paul is setting that in contrast to the encouraging reality that no matter what man does, the foundation of God is absolutely secure. And I want to remind you again this evening that uh, it's almost certain that Timothy was going to be looking after the doctrinal purity, at least of the church at Ephesus, and probably other places he ministered. He is looking, for, he is looking and expecting trouble to come, and it did. There will be men that will tempt him to compromise. There will be people that will tempt him to pull back. And Paul is saying, I don't want to just paint this picture of people like Hamanius and Philetus who are spouting off about things that they know nothing about and saying the resurrection is past. I don't want to call your attention just to them, Timothy. I want you to understand that God is still God. His Son is still His Son. His Word is still true. And the church is still His church. And that is absolutely true. Timothy needed to be reminded that God was still in control. I know we know that intellectually. But we need to know that personally and, and uh, just intimately in our heart tonight. Let me just give you what's happening here through a series of questions. He said, nevertheless... Do false teachers seem to abound? Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Are perilous times upon us? The Lord says, nevertheless, the foundation of the Lord is sure. Do we look at the future and wonder what's going to happen, both with the church, with our, with our county, our city, our nation? Absolutely. But the answer is, nevertheless, the foundation of the Lord standeth sure. Are we praying and concerned about our children's upbringing, their salvation, what they're exposed to in a world that is anti-God? Well, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Do we wonder how the church will survive with declining numbers and declining interests? Well, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Do we see professing Christians that we worshiped with, grew up with, and we're here to church many times singing together and praising God together. Do we see them fall away from the faith? Well, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Are we tempted to be discouraged? Well, the foundation of the Lord standeth sure. Could persecution and suffering come to us because of our faith? Nevertheless, the foundation of the Lord, the foundation of God standeth sure. Are evil and evil men and women making ungodly decisions? Hear this tonight. In spite of all of that, the foundation of God standeth sure. Somewhere, someplace today, some preacher for his last time folded his Bible, walked out of the pulpit, met in a back room somewhere with his deacons or elders, and said these two words, I'm done, and he will no longer come back to the pulpit. Preacher, what do you say to that? Nevertheless, the foundation of God stand assured. 
Somewhere before morning, a husband or a wife will look at one another and they will say, I'm done. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. While we are here tonight, politicians with their heads together and their checkbooks open are plotting and planning the course of our nation and our world. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Timothy was no doubt thinking, if Hymenius and Philetus was doing this, how many more people are tucked away in the back rooms, meeting in private, coming up with false teaching and doctrine that is against the Word of God? And Paul just wanted to say, in spite of all of that, nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Hopefully you've got my main point by this time, but if you hadn't, let me repeat it. The foundation of God standeth sure. Now, if you leave here tonight and someone asks you tomorrow, what did your preacher preach on last night, and you can't remember, God help you. The foundation of God standeth sure. That's what the Bible says. Well, let's look at this foundation. The word foundation in the text refers to the foundation under a building. And if you can just picture a foundation holding up a building, it's, a, it's that upon which a building rests. But now the way Paul uses the word here makes a clear reference to a unique and a one and only foundation. He uses the word, as we would say metaphorically in the New Testament, in reference to the foundation of the church, which is Jesus Christ. You can read that in Romans 15, 20, 1 Corinthians 3, 10, and 11. In Ephesians 2, 20, Paul says the apostles and prophets he sees them as being part of the foundation, but even then, Christ is the cornerstone of that foundation. His point here to Timothy is that while men and women are teaching and preaching error, and false teaching may trouble its members and put stress on the shepherds, ultimately the foundation of the church remains unmoved and unthreatened because the foundation does not rest on a preacher. It does not rest on a Sunday school teacher. It does not rest on a theologian. Thank God it rests on Jesus Christ and on Him alone. And if you haven't noticed lately, when you and I are at our worst, thank God He's still at His best. When you and I are at our best, thank God He is still better. We rest on Him tonight and not on us. The church is unmoved and unthreatened by what anyone may say or do, for that foundation is Christ Himself. There's been men down through the ages of history that have made bold statements about how they stand in relation to God and how they're going to do this and that to the church of the living God. And I remind every one of you, they are dead and in torment tonight. And thank God the foundation of God standeth sure. What an encouragement to us. Notice these words, standeth sure. The word standeth means established. The foundation of God is established. The word refers to the permanence of something. This is no fly-by-night thing. I, all of my ministry, I've seen people fly into church, and I've seen people fly out of church. One of the most encouraging days in my ministry was in the first few months of my first pastorate and you've heard me talk about it before pastoring 20 or 25 people who most of them widows we had about 13 or 14 of them was widows a dozen or more at one time 
and very few people coming. And I remember on one occasion a family that came, and they came for a week or two, and then they wanted to come and unite with our church. So I was anxious to have them be a part of the church. They actually had some children and young people. There was only one, one child in the church at that time. A piano player uh, had a son just before Jonathan was born. And there was no children in our church at that time. Needless to say, I was excited. I remember that Sunday morning when those six stood before our congregation and we took them in. And I remember how we were all encouraged and how we were all so thankful. That's the last time I've seen those six people. They never came back on Sunday night, never came back Wednesday night. And when I went to their home, I couldn't find them. They were long gone. If you see them, tell them they're still a member of the church where I pastored down there because we voted them in. I went from encouraged to very discouraged. Somebody needed to tell me then that the foundation of God standeth sure. And it does. It means it's established. The word sure means it's solid. The word sure means that it is stable. W.E. Vine, that great English Bible theologian and writer, writes these words, and I quote, No matter how great the apostasy from the faith, no matter how subversive the work of false teachers, God's foundation stands in its impregnable character. End quote. That's exactly right. The foundation of God does not rest, nor does it retreat on men doing positive things, nor does it retreat on men doing negative things. It rests on a consistent, immovable, unchanging God. And that's where our faith rests tonight as well. Now these words, nevertheless, the word foundation, and the word standeth, and the word sure, these words in the text that I've defined for you tonight may or may not mean a thing to you. They should, but if they don't, understand this. They meant something to Timothy. Timothy knew these words. He knew these words. He knew every word that he was reading on this piece of paper that the great apostle had wrote. And when he opened this up and read, no doubt his heart is heavy when he's reading about Hymenaeus and Philetus and he's burdened knowing what he's got to sustain and what he's got to carry. And then comes that conjunctive, that contrasting word from the great apostle. Nevertheless, although yet in spite of all of that, Timothy... The very foundation upon which this truth rests, everything in God is absolutely steadfast and absolutely sure. And then he says this, having this seal. Now again, picture a building if you can for just a moment, a, a building. And this word seal is referring to an engraved object used to make a mark which denoted ownership, approval, or closure of something, it would, they would sometimes mark buildings. You, if you've ever rode through a city or a town, you can ride through Lenore, and there's some interesting things that are carved on the buildings. There's also some weird things in this town that I ain't figured out yet. I've been here 14 years, and I hadn't figured out this thing up here near the courthouse, nor whether they found, all of them are hubcaps over here on 321 on Morganton Bullet. I don't know if that's hubcaps people lost or what that, I can't figure that stuff out. But there are some significant things that are written on buildings. If you were to go to our nation's capital tonight, you could go by building after building that has 
very significant things that are written there, and it makes a statement sometimes about that particular building or about the purpose of that building, maybe when it was built, to what it's been dedicated or what it stands for, whether it be a statement about justice or whether it be a statement about liberty or whether it be a statement about whatever the purpose of that building may be. The foundation of God stand assured, having this engravement, having this seal. And on this seal is written two statements. On this seal is written two statements. Number one, the first statement, the Lord knoweth them that are His. And the second statement is, let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. To the young preacher who's feeling the weight of apostasy and the weight of false teaching and false teachers and is feeling the weight of the great apostle departing and he's to carry on the great work of God. The apostle Paul said, the foundation of God, the church of the living God, Christ himself, it's a sure foundation. And he said, I want you to know what is written on this foundation, what is written on this building. Remember two things, Timothy. Remember, first of all, something about the sovereignty of God which you have nothing to do with. Remember that the Lord, remember the Lord knoweth them that are His. Now don't you know Timothy had been scratching his head, so to speak, thinking to himself, I thought Hymenaeus and Philetus belonged to God. Just like you've scratched your head over believers, haven't you? I know I have as a pastor I thought that man and woman or that young person or that boy and girl, I thought surely they belong to God. But now they're in error. Now they have went to something that is not even biblical. And he, Timothy had to be thinking this. And what Paul is saying to Timothy is, you don't need to worry about that. The Lord knows them that belong to Him. Could I say to you tonight, in an age of apostasy and false teaching and falling away and error, you and I tonight rest in the sovereignty of the knowledge of God over who belongs to Him and who doesn't belong to Him. Now my first conclusion or supposition about you is you belong to the Lord. You're here on His day in His house. You're gathered with His people. We're sitting around His Word. You've sung praise to His name. That's what I think. But I don't know that tonight, but I'll tell you this on the authority of this book. The Lord knows them that belong to Him. And that's what I want us to look at. Paul said this seal, he said this seal is this, two great truths. The Lord knoweth them that are His. Timothy, despite the false teachers and the false teaching, and despite wondering whether this person or that person is truly a believer, rest assured the Lord knoweth. The Lord knoweth. The word knoweth is that Greek word gnosko meaning knowledge beyond fact. It's not just a head knowledge. It refers to a knowledge based on a special relationship. God knows them that belong to Him. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I'm, I know them. Christ knows who belongs to Him. I can just guess every now and then, and I've been wrong. As a matter of fact, I've guessed some people didn't belong to Him, and Lo and behold, they proved out they do belong to Him, as best I can tell. I'm not, I'm not, now I know preachers who can figure all that out, but I can't figure it out. I don't rest tonight in my supposition. I rest tonight in His sovereignty. He knows who belongs to Him. This statement, 
in 2 Timothy 2.19 is rooted in the Old Testament book of Numbers, chapter 16, verse number 5, when during the rebellion of Korah, God said He was able to know who belonged to Him and who didn't. Listen to the verse, Numbers 16.5. And He spake unto Korah and unto all his company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are His and who is holy, and will cause him to come near unto him, even him whom he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. And Paul is telling Timothy, you can't figure it out, son. You can't figure it out. But the Lord knoweth them that are his. We sometimes, and more often than the other, we talk about whether or not a person knows the Lord. Does so-and-so know the Lord? Does this person know the Lord? Or that person know the Lord? Uh, ironically, it's far more important to talk about whether the Lord knows us rather than us knowing Him. Listen to Galatians, if you will, chapter number 4 and verse number 9. Listen how Paul words this. But now, after that ye have known God, and then he clarifies himself, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage. Paul started out talking in the language we use. I thought this man knew God, but he said, but wait, wait a minute. Rather, I thought God knew this man. I thought God knew him. He belonged to God. And now he's returned back to his old life. Evidently, the Lord did not know him. This knowing is not a mental act of recognition but it's a relational act of God's saving knowledge of knowing us Timothy may not know who stands in the chaos and the future removal from God's church but God does Timothy may not know the final outcome of all of this but God does I don't know who will return to church and who won't. I don't know who will serve God and who will, who will not. I don't know who will come to Him and who won't. But I rest tonight in the fact that He knows. He knows. Nahum chapter 1 verse 7 said, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knoweth them that trust in Him. Timothy, find encouragement tonight in the sovereignty of God. He knows who belongs to Him. But secondly, Timothy, not only does the foundation of God stand assured and it's wrote on the seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His, but it's also wrote on that same seal that everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Now the great subjects of the sovereignty of God and responsibility of man are all through the Scriptures. They're all throughout the pages of God's Word and here they are, here it is again. The Lord knoweth them that are His, period. That's it, brother. Sovereignty of God. He's in absolute control. But look at the responsibility now that He lays upon this young preacher. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Now this states everybody, everyone. Everyone who nameth the name of Christ. That's kind of strangely written. It's a double emphasis on naming the name, signifying the one doing the calling. The Lord was seeking for the one being named, the believer, to live up to their promises. Paul is saying to Timothy, let everyone who names the name of Christ, let everyone who says publicly that I belong to Christ, Paul said, let that man depart from iniquity. Paul is connecting a life in iniquity and sin to this apostasy. 
that has caused great men and men like Hymenius and Philetus and Alexander the coppersmith and Demas and others that have forsaken the Lord. You see, it's God's sovereignty that knows whether I'm His or not, whether He belongs to me and I belong to Him. That's God. I can't, I can't figure all, all, all of that out. God knows. That's what, that's what matters. But it's our responsibility in this world, and it's Timothy's responsibility here at Ephesus. And as he's left behind, it is his responsibility to keep himself clean and to depart or remove himself from iniquity. In other words, Paul said, Timothy, he said, I know you're thinking about, you thought these people knew God. Rest assured, Timothy, the Lord knows them that know them that, that know. I know, I know them. Don't worry, I'll take care of that. Timothy, your job, your job is to keep yourself clean and your job is to stand back and stand off from all iniquity, from all injustice and unrighteousness. Sometimes people come to me as a pastor and they'll say, Preacher, I, and they'll tell me something they're thinking or something they're believing. And I'm thinking, where did you come up with this? And sometimes I ask them. And then they tell me, well, I've been listening to so-and-so or I've been following this I've been following that. Hear the word of God tonight. Stand back from that. Depart from that. Get away from that. Don't go that route. Timothy, don't you listen to the false teaching concerning the resurrection. Don't you listen to the half-truths. Don't listen to the things that maybe sound more exciting than other things. Stay away from that. Stand back from that. Depart from that injustice and that unrighteousness. Get away from it. Get with the holy people of God. Get with holiness. Believers have an obligation to walk holy. No matter what's happening in everybody else's life, you and I are to walk holy and to separate ourselves from sin. You see, when we get saved, some, especially here in this part of the country, when somebody gets saved, they think they're done. Somebody comes and says they get saved, everybody shouts, they baptize them, and then they come to church for two or three years, and you never see them again, as I've mentioned before, and then they die 42 years later, and everybody comes back to church and shouts because they were there the night they got saved, and there's 38 years there, they did nothing but live for themselves. The Lord knoweth. The foundation of God standeth sure. And on this building it's written, The Lord knoweth them that are His. And also written on this great building of faith is also these words, Let every one of us that claims we belong to Christ, let us depart from iniquity. Let us stand back from evil and from sin. Brother, if you do, you're not going to end up like these people ended up and others in life. Timothy had to distance himself from the false teachers and their false teaching. You have to stay away from it. You have to get away from it. Don't get involved in it. The foundation of God stand assured, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. If I were building this building all over again tonight, I think I'd put those, those that'd be two good things to write on the front of a church building. The Lord knoweth them that are His, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. However you know me, and the next time I preach something different, we'd be tearing that down and putting up something else. But for tonight, that would be it. In a day of ever-increasing false teaching and false teachers, true believers must take time 
And we must read the seal on this foundation. It's a word of sovereignty, yes. But it's also a word of responsibility. And that's on us. May each of us find encouragement in these words and strength to remain separate from that which is impure. Lord willing, next time we come to this text, Paul will further this with an illustration of the great house and those vessels that are in that house, how they are to be vessels of honor unto God. Purity. He'll demonstrate exactly and illustrate what he's just said to the young preacher. I want to close tonight by, with two verses of Scripture. The first from Psalm 112, verse 5 through 7. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Psalm 112, verse 5 through 7. And then Psalm 125, verse 1 and 2. Listen to these words about the righteous. They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about His people from henceforth, even forever. Paul wanted Timothy to find security, encouragement, and strength. All around him are men forsaking God, people he knew personally. And he wanted to remind him, Timothy, when everything's falling apart, shifting and moving this way and that way, I want to remind you, the foundation of God standeth sure. And you can know it sure by reading these two inscriptions. The Lord knows who belongs to Him. And you must separate yourself from all iniquity. Do you belong to Him tonight? If you do, separate yourself. Live according to this precious and holy word. If you're righteous tonight, saved by God's grace, you will be remembered. Father, thank you tonight for your precious word. And Lord, we too at times, although not to the magnitude or the severity that this young preacher faced, but we too, Lord, feel the pressure. Lord, we feel the pressure of all the falseness and the teaching and the error because that's what draws the crowds and fills the buildings. And that's what people enjoy. And we feel that pressure. And then sometimes, Lord, we're perplexed with our own family. And we look, at, we look at ourselves and we look at them and say, Lord, I thought they knew you and I thought they belonged to you. Help us tonight to rest in your sovereignty and know that it's not about as much us knowing you as about it is you knowing us. And I pray tonight you'd help every one of us tonight, from the pastor all the way to every family, every individual, Help us tonight. Help us, those who name your name, who claim to know you and you know us. Help us tonight to depart from iniquity. Help us, Lord, to take our responsibility in light of your sovereignty, to take our responsibility and live a clean, moral, and pure life. Thank you again for the privilege to worship today, to be gathered together. Help us this coming week. Guide our footsteps. May we walk in the light as you're in the light. And may we have fellowship one with another. I pray now you'd take every need and request of prayer, work it to your glory and honor, and we thank you tonight for the confidence and security in which we leave this place. We bless your name and give you glory for all you've done. In your precious name we pray and ask these things. Amen.